Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's show, my guest is Ivana Robinson, and we are discussing the elegant, the beautiful, and sometimes snobbish queen of Hillman College, Whitley Gilbert. Whitley Gilbert is one of the many incredible characters from A Different World, a show about college kids at the fictitious university, Hillman. But before we dive into our discussion, let me introduce you to my guest. Ivana Robinson is a certified life and leadership coach who empowers unfulfilled professionals to connect with their why, ditching their I shoulds for I want to and I will. Saying no is her favorite form of self-care, but two things she'll never turn down, a Beyonce concert or a nap. Welcome to the show, Ivana. Thank you for having me. So Uh, excited to be here. I love the two things you can't say no to. (laughs) In a perfect world, all we do is see Beyonce and nap. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I could live with that. One of the reasons why I'm excited you're here is because you told me that A Different World is your favorite show. So I love that we are getting to talk about not just the show, but specifically Whitley. But I love it when people like genuinely have like in their top category, the topic we're discussing. Yes. Yes. A Different World is, you know, definitely my all time favorite show. I was a kid obsessed with college. And so I really think uh, A Different World really fed into that dream of like going to college and having friends and I don't know, doing things. I love that. So in this season, as I mentioned to you offline, we are discussing wealthy women and the representation of them in media. So I've been asking this question of all my guests before we dive into like the meat of our conversation. Do you remember what you thought of rich or wealthy women on TV when you were a kid? Um, I would say that they were generally speaking bitchy. Yeah, it's a common thread, right? actually. Like, like they may have had some an explanation for why that was, right? You might figure out some of their things as to why they maybe had a wall up, mm-hmm. but ultimately, right, they were very snobby, very uh, very catty, and um were trying to sort of maintain their place in the world. Yeah. Their status, I guess. Yeah, I it's that's a reoccurring thing that I'm hearing is that either there's like defining imagery mm-hmm. or the attitude is very much like bordering on Miranda Priestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like there might be a soft layer under there, but you know, I don't know. I guess it's like with all people, you're going to fight to maintain your power. Right. So. Right. And it's hard too. Cause what I've learned doing this season is that there is not, I mean, we know this, we know the numbers are there. There's not a lot of women in power and there's mm-hmm. not a lot of women who have, you know, billions of dollars, let alone millions of dollars, even though billionaires shouldn't exist. Um, <laughs> that part, <laughs> but it's still one of those things where it's like, you're playing a game, but it's, different when you have women being awful to play the game because it's like you already have a disadvantage because you're already being treated like shit because the society system is misogynistic (laughs) but it's not because you're playing into it and perpetuating it it's like this weird double-edged yeah it's it is that thing of like the patriarchy doesn't actually serve any of us but if you have any 
sense of power of privilege, right? You're going to try and maintain that because you're like, I'm not going to be at the bottom of this system. Right. Right. <laughs> like if it's bad enough for me here is pretty terrible down there. So I'm going to hold on to whatever, you know, amount of privilege, amount of power that I, I can. Yeah. Yeah. A different world first premiered on September 24th, 1987. Whitley Gilbert, played by Jasmine Guy, is in every single season of A Different World. She is the elegant Southern belle who often passes judgment to her classmates for their lack of decorum, their tackiness. But with every passing season, we learn that she is often misunderstood by her peers. And I have things to say about that, but we'll say it when we get into the conversation. Okay. (laughs) When you first saw Whitley, what did you think of her? Uh, She was awful. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any way around that. Um, I did in preparation for this, I went back and watched uh, the pilot, which even though those of us who are real fans do not count the first season of a different world, right? Like it's seasons two through six. Right. Um, I felt it was important to see that real introduction. And um, there's a scene with her and Lisa Bonet where they're sort of roommates for a bit. And she's talking about how she needed to buy a wheelchair so she could park closer. And (laughs) I think in that moment, that kind of set the stage for who Whitley is. She was straight up just like, should I be punished because I can walk? Ma'am, what? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. One of my favorite Whitley moments of season one, and yes, I agree with you, it's two through six, because season one is very much like, this is a Cosby spinoff, mm-hmm. essentially, which, whatever, that's a whole separate conversation, Um, was when Rudy comes to visit, and she's like, Rudy? What kind of name is Rudy? She's like, what's your middle name, Lillian? That is what I will call you. I will call you Lillian, and you're just like, yeah, uh-huh, this is a very Whitley conversation right now. Yes. And as I'm sure if we will talk about, it makes sense later when we meet her mother. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. yes. But yeah, like that. And I would say that's an episode where we do start to see some of the other sides of Whitley, right? She is not, you know, completely terrible, but uh, they definitely set the stage for her um, in the beginning to be a very one-sided, I think, side character. I read an article because I was trying to find articles about like what just Jasmine guy reflecting on at the time of working on a different world. And guess what? Not a lot out there. It was a lot of like 20 years since the show's, you know, ended kind of stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want the grown up retrospective. I want to know what Jasmine guy at the time was feeling. And it was really hard to find anything. But one of the things I did find, cause you know, her accent is so exaggerated and we yes. her mom, Diane Carroll also, her mom is played by Diane Carroll. Her mom also has a Southern accent, but it's more of this like richness to it. Whereas Whitley's Southern accent is kind of what I now understand to be more caricature type. And she had actually kind of fought to not fought, but she was like, this is, I think a a decision we should go with because I think it helps add to the kind of slight ridiculousness of her character and they let her go with it. And I cannot even imagine her any other way. No, I mean, even if you think about how the other characters will like mock her or make fun of her, you know, um, even in their friendly ways, it's her accent they go for Mm -hmm. first. Yeah. Absolutely. So has your opinion about Whitley changed over time? 
Uh, now, yeah, I think she's, you know, sort of like a darling. She's a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not appreciated, but maybe appreciated, but a character that I very much adore. There we go. Um, I think, you know, in later seasons of the show and just understanding that time of your life, uh, I have a lot more, um, I think, empathy and, and understanding of who Whitley was. Yeah, I agree. Watching her from season one to the series finale, you realize you don't real at the time you maybe don't like the first time you watch it, especially before binging was allowed was a thing. You don't see how much she grows, but then the way that they let her revert back to the Whitley we know is (laughs) it's, it's done tastefully in a way where it's like her growth is still there, but she's still truly there underneath. (laughs) Yes. And I say this as a coach, right? It's all of us when we get stressed, we're going to default to those, you know, the behaviors that are just more, uh, you know, natural for us that are a little more ingrained, no matter how, you know, how much we have grown or maybe we think about, I think, I think it's a very real, um, behavior. So we, um, have mentioned a couple of times that Diane Carroll plays Whitley's mother. She plays the character Marion Gilbert. We first see her on the episode title, for she's only a bird in a gilded cage. So part of my preparation for our conversation was to go back and watch all the episodes that Diane Carroll was on. Um, because it's just, you, like you said earlier, you really get to understand Whitley when you meet her mom. And for those who maybe don't know, Diane Carroll is the most beautiful, the most elegant woman I have ever seen in my entire life. Prior to being on a different world, she had her own show in the sixties called Julia, where she played a single mom. I, if I remember correctly, her husband on the show, I think was like died in war or something. Anyway, he had died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I even think she won an Emmy for her role in that, in that role. I think so. Cause I think that was the big thing, right? It was her. And then I think Carrie Washington was like the next nominated or I Viola Davis. So. Yeah. It was a huge gap of time between, between um, black women being voted for a lead actress in a role. Um, or she is, I mean, I just, even in, in to death, she was just so stunningly beautiful. And yes, I'm fangirling everybody who's listening at home. Because <laughs> As I you should be. Yeah. It's like, for me, I was like, oh my gosh, she played a character named Julia. Like nobody ever does that. And then when I had my son, I was like, oh my God, I love that she had a boy and I had a boy. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, So I want to talk about how Diane Carroll, her characters, Marion Gilbert, she could either comfort you or cut you depending on who you were and what you we're contributing. And so I feel like there was no better choice than Diane Carroll to play this role, especially because she was on Dynasty and her character was mm-hmm. it Dynasty and her character on Dynasty. Oh my God. This woman has range, y'all. Okay. So I want to talk about Whitney, Whitley and her and, and Marion's dynamic. So what I want you to tell me a little bit about what you thought of her relationship with her mother and how you feel like that explains a lot of Whitley. It felt very relatable in many ways of that you want your mother's approval. You know, there is maybe um, parts of her, right, that you really do look up to. You are friendly in certain aspects, but then there's maybe the expectations that your mother maybe has for you that are uh, more weighty than (laughs) 
than you would like them to be. Um, and in the episode, that first episode you mentioned, like Whitley is freaking out because she's not married yet or she is not in a relationship. She is not engaged. And essentially she knows that is why she is at college, mm-hmm. right? Her parents met at Hillman, um, you know, and that's, that's sort of what her lineage is. It's like, yes, you were supposed to go to Hillman, but you were supposed to get your MRS degree. Yes. Yes. And that's so true for Marion's generation. That's literally the only reason why you sent your daughter to school was so she can get a solid mate who could take care of her. But what we see with Whitley's generation, I must, I feel like that's a solid Gen X situation <laughs> or maybe like late boomer. I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> is that, you know, she's really finding herself and like, she came to Hillman with, you know, all of this attitude and, and, and sort of perpetuation of class of like, we don't do, you know, type of things. And I love the consistency of Diane Carroll, never knowing Kim's name. Like, so I went, so I think it was like a total of nine episodes that she's on literally every single episode. She cannot, she does not call Kim which is Whitley's roommate for those of you who've never seen a different world, which I don't know why you haven't. It's on HBO. It's on Max. HBO. Max. <laughs> <laughs> but like every, and there's years of time in between, right? Between her first appearance to, I think it's 92 or 93. And she just can't get her name right. Well, and, the, and then you, that first episode, like her last line of the thing, because Whitley is like, mom, her name is Kim. Mm-hmm. And she's finally like, well, it shouldn't be. Yeah. She just, she's like, I don't like it. I do not agree with this. <laughs> Which is a fabulous throwback and to the Rudy episode. Mm-hmm. And you're just, I'm not calling you that. Yeah. Yeah. I just love how you have this woman who is so polite. Like the episodes, these are the ones that are fresh in my mind where Whitley and Dwayne are engaged and they're having their engagement party. It's, you know, the first time. Yeah. And like, just how Dwayne's mom and Marion are with each other and how like, she just blatantly flirts with, um, um, Dwayne's dad. And she's just so like her, her curt little responses to everyone are so they're delivered so smoothly that you're like, Oh wait, I think she just insulted you. Yeah. She is very much what I think of when you think about like your stereotypical Southern belle and that depending on how she chooses to deliver one single line, it either is a compliment or to take down. Um, do you, so when you first so, okay. So let's go back to the reflection part of it. So when, now when you see Whitley and her mom interact, like, how is it different from when you first, first saw it? Cause I'm assuming you put the show in the background and just have it list, you know, that's what I do. I'm like, oh, let's just listen to a different world today while I paint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now, you know, I know what's going on and the characters are like friends. Um, and I guess, I'm sorry. What was the question? How was it then? How did I see it then? Well, compared to now, like now that you're a little bit, you know, you're older now, you've lived life a little bit and now you see Whitley and and her mom, like how do, what do you think it does in terms of like representation in terms of like mother daughter relationships? Um, I, I don't, I guess it's like a love hate relationship, right. Mm -hmm. In that I love it because one, I don't 
I guess we have the Cosby show, but I think in this form of like the Southern Belle, I don't know that we really get like um, black wealthy families at this point in time, yeah. um, you know, on media. So I think the, the juxtaposition of that, um, even thinking about, I guess, sort of her family versus the Huxtables, right? Mm-hmm. In that first season of, yeah, D- Denise comes from money too. You know, she comes from money and her parents are, are wealthy as well. But she grew up in Brooklyn, right? right? That's a very different life than Whitley coming from Richmond and your pedigree yeah. meaning so much, right? Your your name carrying everything. Um, and so between her and Diane Carroll, it's more like I just get it more, mm-hmm. right? Of like why, you know, Marion Gilbert is the way that she is and why the way she is the way she is with Whitley, Um And then I understand Whitley being at that time of her life of this is what I know, right? And this is what I'm here to do, but also who I am becoming does not completely gel with this. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when you kind of think about the Huxtable wealth versus the Gilbert wealth, because I always understood the Gilberts being like generationally wealthy in a way that Mm -hmm. we just don't see represented on television for black families. Because the way that Whitley talks about like how she grew up and the expectations, that to me rings very much like my mom went through it and her mom went through it and her mom went through it. So I must go through it too. Probably not that far back, but more like, you know, for sure her mom and her grandma. So therefore Whitley must as well. Whereas Mm -hmm. like she lives in the dorm uh, named for, I think it was her grandfather. Her grandfather. Yeah. So like that's. It's a lot of pressure. You gave a lot of money to have a building named after you. Yeah. There's nothing around that. Gilmore Girls <laughs> taught me that if you donate enough money, they will give you a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, actually, probably uh, a different world taught me that. And then Gilmore Girls <laughs> just reminded us. Um, and I do think too, like the level, especially when you get into the later seasons, when that fighting against whether or not she should be with Dwayne. Cause like in the beginning it's cute. Cause you're in college and there's like, he's this, he's just so cute with his little glasses and his obsession with Denise. And then it transfers to somebody else and like all these things. Um, but then as they sort of, you know, embark on their relationship and just like the conflict within her about it at mm-hmm. first, and then it doesn't become a conflict, but now it's a conflict for her parents. Yeah. I thought that that dynamic was really, I shouldn't say fun to watch. That's not, that's not the way I should say it, (laughs) but watching two mama bears kind of be like my, your child isn't good enough. And then the Mm -hmm. indignation of it, it was, that was fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, we should probably say that uh, Dwayne's mother is played by Patty LaBelle. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I didn't, we didn't say that to start. Like if you want to talk about some serious star power and some fabulous acting, let me give you the exact episodes you need to see. The Thanksgiving episode? Oh my gosh. Yes. When, um, the save the best part for last part one and part two, that's when they're doing the engagement party. Those, Mm -hmm. the interaction between the two. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. And I just love, you know, I think that is what a different world gives us is just so many different types of black people Mm -hmm. in one space. Um, 
And so getting to watch them sort of play out their little class privilege, you know, um, conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If Debbie Allen did anything really well, it was taking that show and turning it into what it became. Um, because I don't think so like blackish is spinoff grownish when Zoe goes to college that works mm-hmm. really well. I, I don't know how they made the, t- I don't know if they used a different world as sort of like the footprint of how to do a mm-hmm. spinoff with a, co- with a kid going to college and was like, this is what the Huxtable should have done, but there's no way they could have survived. The show would have survived if it had continued to follow Denise all the way through graduation. I don't think the Huxtableness did not translate to a different world well. Hmm. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I wonder, I guess, thinking about that, how much that had to do more with like Cosby letting Debbie Allen sort of take the reins and take the direction, right? Because like, if you think about the the Cosbys, they were this, uh, or the Huxtables, they are this image of like, quote unquote, black excellence, mm-hmm. right? But like, they don't really be out there talking about their blackness, right? Right. But like, you can't be at a historically black college or university and not have blackness play a prominent role. Yes. And like, I think it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I think that's why the first season feels so muted. Mm-hmm. And so we watched the first season with my son over, we were going to watch the whole thing. <clears throat> that was our summer show, but we only made it to the end of season two before he left for school. And he, is that the aunt from Spider-Man? <laughs> yes, honey. That okay. Is yeah, that is yeah, her. <laughs> we'll do that. It is Marissa Tomei. You are absolutely correct. And this was my first introduction to Marissa Tomei. So now this is weird. And also totally forgot she was on the show. <laughs> Because the first season doesn't count. Right. How do you think Whitley Gilbert influenced you overall when it comes to your beliefs about wealthy women? I think it's about giving people a chance. Mm. Um, You know, I think there are assumptions that we do have. And I think that's, you know, about anyone of any class, right, of that's how we're socialized is to, to have certain thoughts tied to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also understanding that people can be very different than their parents. Yeah. I love that. I think out of all the characters, maybe I already said this, I think out of all the characters on the show, she's had, she had the most growth from season one to season six. It's just not as like blatant because they still have to have her witliness. But if you watch her in season six compared to season one, she's definitely grown as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think one, having her shift from a supported character to one of the main characters or the main character, right. Um, definitely allowed them to flesh out her character a lot more than I think we probably would have gotten. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, just explore those different sides of her and the ways in which she has to be pushed to evolve or to, you know, really own her own identity, Mm -hmm. I think is really what's big here, which I think is a big part of college, right? Like that's when you do get to separate from your parents, from your family, um, and start to develop your own ideas, your own, uh, beliefs. And so getting to watch that and now having experienced that, I look at it completely differently than I did as a kid being like, what is wrong with this girl? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 
why is she like that? <laughs> yes. Because she was, she, she can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Whitley, Dwayne was so cute from the jump. Like, girl, why did it take but you so like, long? But, like, she was never going to, like, he was cute, but, like, he was nerdy and kind of annoying. Yeah, I don't like, know. Maybe he had to grow yeah. up, too. Yes, 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 yes. Fair. Okay, stop protecting men, Julia. Be on Whitley's side. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was your favorite character overall on the show? Ooh. Maybe Kim. I love Kim. I think I relate most to her I, yeah. in many ways or that she seems most like myself. Um, so probably, probably Kim. Yeah, she's a great character. And to bring it back to Diane and Carol, the way she always referenced Kim in season two as being a scholarship student and a recipient <laughs> of, and she makes it sound... The way she says it, you're like, oh, your shoes should be, you're so, that's so amazing. But really it's like cuts because the way she oh, yeah. says it implies like this person is very, very poor. <laughs> yeah. I think she does make a comment. It's like, oh, th- whatever scholarship Kim has, she's like, that means you aren't just poor. You are yeah. also hard work. Really smart. Like yeah. yeah it's like, really what? smart. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, uh, no, <laughs> like, okay um I love that I love Freddie she cracks me up in the earlier seasons I went the later seasons because I watched season two and three the most mm-hmm. so the later seasons I don't really know as well but I always thought like I always felt like I related to Freddie in a lot of ways <laughs> maybe it was her hair that's what my hair looked like when I was little so maybe that's the relationship there like you have my hair yeah I get that. That makes sense. Cause I do think she was the unexpected character mm-hmm. to sort of include. Yeah, I agree. And when we watched season one and season two over the summer, it was like, you needed a character like Marissa Tomei's character. It just didn't need to be Marissa Tomei. So yeah. I feel like Freddie was a really good substitute or a really good tap in to replace Mar- 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 Marissa Tomei's character. Yeah. Uh, I think especially because they were diving more into like blackness, Mm -hmm. right? Having this character who has a white mom and like did not necessarily grow up, you know, around a lot of black people um, or have the same, you know, traditions or or customs that we're maybe used to and particularly moving down to the South from New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, And so watching her get to kind of, grow up in a lot of ways and also figure out that part of herself. Yeah, totally. Cause it is a weird experience in America, especially in the eighties and nineties. And I think unintentionally we're reverting back to it, which is gross, um, being, being mixed. And like, mm-hmm. especially when you do have like the nurturing parent being the white parent, like that's a totally different vibe. Like the way that my auntie mothered us and the way that my mom mothered us, totally different and my mom's <laughs> Italian so it's like not like it's like there, there's a lot of similarities but still right like mm-hmm. it's still different it's still it the the level of like care and attention is a very different vibe um and that could also be another reason why I related to Freddie like <laughs> I'm learning while we're talking on the show I never thought about <laughs> Did you call your mom by her first name no my mother's Italian she would never <laughs> like, <laughs> 
only if we're in the store and she didn't hear me yell mommy right <laughs> mommy 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 like Anne Marie oh, <laughs> like oh my gosh but that like all of the environmental stuff that Freddie's all into oh my gosh we were probably the only house recycling <laughs> yeah I don't know. And I don't know if that stems from, you know, I don't know, whatever it's recycling and being in the, into the environment is not a, a race thing per se, but it definitely was like, I don't know. I grew up around a lot of white people. <laughs> One of the things I forgot about on the show that was, yeah. I was reminded when I was watching um, Whitley stand um, Byron up at the altar was that uh, Taylor. Best episode of television. Yeah. Oh, Colonel Taylor. Colonel Taylor. And what's her name on the show? Jaleesa. Jaleesa. Thank you. It's like, I was going to call her Dawn. Got married and had a baby. And I was like, didn't this man go to school with Heath, Heathcliff Huxtable? So that was, that is something during my rewatch. I'm like trying to do math, right? Because then the opening, Jaleesa is 20. She's a, you know, sort of an atypical student. She's 26 years old. I think she's maybe a sophomore when we first meet her. Um, but then we find out that Colonel Taylor has a daughter who was also enrolled in school at the time. So I'm like, because you're at most, <laughs> right. I'm like, so your wife is at most six years older than your daughter. Mm-hmm. And like, granted, they were not together while she was a student. This is after she graduated, yes. but it is still weird. <laughs> it is still weird because I got so connected to her and Sinbad vibing each other that when I went and jumped ahead and watched those episodes, I was like, I don't I don't remember this and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and is that because now I'm deprogramming myself about age gaps between men and women and relationships? Or is it just what I've, did I always feel like that's where I'm at now? I'm like, would I've always felt this way? Or is it because I'm deprogramming myself about age gap relationships? I guess I don't, they're not a couple that I love, mm-hmm. like regardless, but I don't think the age thing came like I, cause in my mind, Jaleesa was always older. So right. I didn't really think about it until watching it back now and paying more attention and being like, this does not add up the math is not mathing um so that I think like it was it was always weird I think just because of how we had gotten to know them but the age thing for me did not come up until this most recent rewatch yeah especially because the first introduction we have of Colonel Taylor is in an episode of the Huxtables where he and Cliff compete on in a track team on a track meet or whatever it's called so like yeah. he went to, so in my head, I'm like, you went to college with Cliff Huxtable. Like, this yeah. is very strange for me. Uh, I don't know, but you're right. I feel like that they don't make sense as a couple at all. No. And I'd be curious to know why the writers were made that decision to pair them off. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to haunt me. My parents are coming over for dinner later. I'm going to be like, mom, dad, help me work through this. <laughs> Why do you think Colonel Taylor and Jaleesa were an odd couple? And they'd be like, yeah. I haven't watched the show in 20 years. <laughs> we don't, we're not there with you. Do you have any, any final, any last things you want to give us about, about a different world that the world just needs? Um, to 
I guess it, I do have to say that some of my favorite like one-liners or moments are definitely with Diane Carroll and like Whitley. And I think particularly with her and Dwayne, mm-hmm. um, for instance, during the, uh, episode where Dwayne, uh, interrupts the wedding. Oh my gosh. Interrupts Whitley's wedding, you know, the, the best episode of television ever. Um, he, you know, is like, hey, you know, yelling, whatever he's yelling. And Diane Carroll is at the front of, yes! <laughs> of the crowd and she just goes, die, just die. And like does a little leg kick. It just was so Southern. And so like, she is so over this man yeah. coming in between, like keeping her child from her destiny of marrying a rich man on the rise. A senator. <laughs> a senator. Like he's going to be president. Like you need to, this is the horse you need to hit your wagon to Whitley. Yeah, yeah. Not this, you know, poor man who is a child of a bus driver. Like yeah. she is not about it. Um, and then like later as once Dwayne and Whitley are married, I think uh, it's not, the, I think it's one of the last episodes when she is there helping them to move or whatever. And she's a lot nicer to Dwayne now. She is a little more, on his side because he now has a job that you know pays really well um and they find out that Whitley's pregnant and she's like I'm the mother of all the mothers like I get to tell you what to do because I'm the mother of the mother and the mother of all mothers yeah (laughs) like she's going to find a way to let you know she is important yeah um and I think that is a tie that she and Whitley share in that Whitley when it, when it comes to it, you will understand she is of a certain status. Mm-hmm. She thinks of herself as a certain, you know, caliber. There are things she does not do. Yeah. Or, you know, at least that's what she says um, in the process of getting to know her. Um, so it is cool that she never fully loses that, but expands sort of mm-hmm. the idea of who she is and mm-hmm. her identity. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think she's such a great recurring character that we don't need all the time, but when she does show up, she just crushes it. She is so good. And just having like the wedding scene that you're talking about, you know, she's like, you heard that she said I do. And then just like kind of (laughs) mouthing for Whitley and just like her, all of her interjections, interjections were just so brilliantly timed and performed. Like Mm-hmm. no one else could have played that role honestly no no because it is she it is a very fine line because you don't hate marion gilbert no right mm-hmm. for all of her faults you're still like i'd be cool if she were my mom like if, if i'd be i could make this work yeah yeah and i and think you- it is that very fine line just between you know being sort of that foil almost mm-hmm. um but still being a and understanding that a lot of it comes from a very caring place. And it's so generational. Like when I see her, she's so much like my grandmother's generation in a way that there's like oddly some comfort in it. But you, to your point about, you know, people like, oh, I wish that, you know, people want her to be her mom when she helps Jaleesa get more money for the choir to do their tour. Like, that's huge. That is a gift that Jaleesa didn't know she needed. She was like, I yeah. need 2,700. And she's like, no, 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 honey, round numbers. Give this girl $5,000, please. And Jaleesa's just like, your mom's amazing. And Whitley's like, yeah, okay, sure. 
you know, but it's like, she does do acts of service in a way that are really beneficial to the community. And she does. It's that using her feminine wiles, if you will, Mm -hmm. like she is really good at that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think for a woman of her generation, it was necessary. Yeah. Right. In a way that it is definitely helpful for Whitley, but is not as necessary for her uh, survival. That's a great observation for the, for like a generational shift that we see a different world presenting as well. I didn't even think about that. And then it becomes less and less. Well, I feel like I, I say it's less and less, but now I feel like sometimes I need to flirt my way out of shit for safety. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great skill to have in your back pocket. I'm, I'm not going to say that, but you know, we also now can like have our own bank accounts and stuff. Thank God for that. So we just don't have the same dependence on a man right. that I'm sure Whitley's mother did. Right? right. Right. And that's her perpetuation. She's like, you have to, like, this is the only way you'll be take you'll be able to take, be taken care of and can have a mm-hmm. livelihood is by attaching yourself to a wealthy man, which is what a lot of women hurt. All women. All yeah. Women hurt. It's definitely something that is still definitely, I think, taught and socialized for sure. Um, but that also brings up the, I think it's a season three episode where Whitley needs to take a math class mm. in, in order to graduate. And she has been avoiding the math department and trying not to do this. And Colonel, Colonel Taylor, AKA Dr. War, he's like the scary math t- uh, professor head of the department, um, is basically helping her overcome her fear of math. And of asking for help. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole conversation where he's like, what, you know, like, if you don't ask for help, you're not going to graduate. <laughs> like, yeah. We need to, you need to kind of come to terms with this. And she's like, I'm not supposed to need help. Mm-hmm. Right. That is what she was, was taught of, you know, and he even asked her like, oh, what if you're, you know, if you need to do your taxes or you need to, to figure out something. And she's like, my accountant will do that. What if you need to check his numbers? My, your, my husband will do that. Yeah. Your husband's out of the country. I'll have my lawyer do it. Like, he's like, yeah. well, you can't pay the lawyer because your accountant fleeced you because you don't yeah. understand the math. But basically ends up sort of pushing her that like, you can do this, mm-hmm. right? It is okay for you to ask for help. Um, and I, I don't want such a, you know, smart young woman to fail and to flunk purely because she was taught to believe that, you know, it is bad to ask for help or that she doesn't need math because she will have a man to do these things. Yeah. And, and it's like, what's interesting about all of that too, and Colonel Taylor sort of championing her, championing her in that way. On the other side of that coin, you have Dwayne's mom who thinks she's not good enough, isn't smart enough isn't enough for her son, her chipmunk. And we know that both can, not that she's not good enough for Dwayne, but Mm -hmm. we've seen her kind of do these sort of things that could be qualified as being like a little flippant and airheady. But at the end of the day, Whitley still is an intelligent woman and the expectations placed upon her are to just be a trophy. And I love Mm -hmm. that you're reminding all of us that Colonel Taylor is like, you're more than a trophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, and I think that is sort of the, the, 
expectation or the assumption that she is fighting throughout, mm-hmm. which, she, you know, she does play into, I think, a little bit. I think that is, but I also think that comes from being, quote unquote, very feminine yeah. and like leaning into that, yeah. um, whether her, you know, it was intentional for her or not. Yeah. Right. I think there's just the assumption she's the pretty one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a pretty, very girly one. So therefore she is meant to be someone's wife. Yeah. You know, that's how you gain the right kind of man. Mm-hmm. That's how you get the right kind of level is by being perfectly polished. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough time to go into all of the harm <laughs> that causes when it comes to what we look like. <laughs> And the levels yes. of success. <laughs> That's not why we were here, but friends at home, please know that that is a thing. A hundred percent. Do some Googling. Well, maybe Whitley's my favorite now that we've been talking about her for an hour. <laughs> I don't think she cannot be because I think of, you know, she is very sweet and she is very caring. Um, even if it doesn't always seem that way in the beginning. She can sometimes get very wrapped up, but I love just getting to watch her go through that personal evolution and really define who she is as defined by herself and not by, you know, the men that she's around or by her mother or whatever. Like she gets to be in sort of a little bit of all of it Mm -hmm. and a little bit of none of it. Yeah. Just one thing. And she's perfectly timed too, because I really feel like between 1987 and 1992, there really was, and you know, and beyond 92, but for that time frame that a different world existed, there really was that insurgence of women sort of rising up and being like, hey, no, like we are shirking the expectations that are being placed on us for, you know, all these things that our mothers had to go through. That's not us. We're not mm-hmm. doing that somebody brought to my attention the other day about how there's this trend on TikTok about how we had it. We had it so much better. I used we in air quotes for those who can't see me at home. Why did we ever enter the workforce? Cause we had it so much better being stay at home wives. And I was like, um, that's a trend. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that's a white lady trend uh-huh. because black women were, were always in the workforce. That's what I literally come back and like, my people were never allowed to be free like that. Okay. No, it was actually illegal in some places for black women to not work. So uh-huh. no, no. And two, it's a system that wasn't always great. Like what about the abusive situations, the emotional abuse, the physical abuse, the financial abuse, like both of my grandmothers you know, one was born in 1912, one was born in 1926. Both of them always told me, have your own money. They Mm -hmm. weren't in relationships that they didn't want to be in. They loved their husbands. They were cared for. They all, they still were very much like, have your own money. Like go, go dig them up and sit and do that TikTok. (laughs) You're going to get smacked real quick. (laughs) Don't, don't dig them up. That was (laughs) But yeah, I think that is very, a very much very telling, I think too, about the divide when it comes to what that era looked like for, um, people who weren't white Mm -hmm. 
and Whitley's that representation of like, we're not doing this anymore. We are moving yeah. on. Thank you. And she does both, right? She's in the workforce and then she's also kind of not, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily by choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, have some unemployment difficulties, but even the idea that she would leave college and get a job mm-hmm. and like be excited about it, right? Yeah. Like she wanted to be an art buyer. Like that yeah. was something she really wanted and, and to explore that. Um, even though that wasn't necessarily what she was sent to college to do or encouraged to do outside of maybe that smaller social circle of Mm -hmm. being at college. Mm -hmm. Man, the eighties and nineties were a great time for really strong female role models to help us learn and understand that we can stand on our own two feet. Yes, there are hurdles. Yes. You might have these hurdles. Don't worry. You will overcome these hurdles, but girl, you got this. Mm -hmm. Ivana, can you tell everyone at home where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online? And also tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay. I know, big question. <laughs> I can I can do that. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a life and leadership coach. Um, so I work one-on-one with mostly women, but not exclusively, um, who are overwhelmed and unfulfilled. I help those women to uh, ditch their shoulds, right? We wanna get rid of that, uh, to prioritize what it is that you actually want to be doing without the guilt. And um, so that you can wake up on Monday mornings and not dread them. It's like not be filled with existential dread. Exactly. I want I want women to be out here living lives that energize them and that they're excited about. Yeah. Uh, And so that is the work that I love to do is to connect one-on-one and let's figure out, you know, what is and what isn't working for you in your current setup and how can we make it so that most, if not all of it is working for you. Love that. Tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me uh, on my website, IvanaRobinson.com or on Instagram, Ivana Run the World. Um, And feel free to sign up for my newsletter about once a month. I come out with ramblings, uh, you know, interrogating norms, (laughs) gaining insights and getting inspired. It's Ivana's three eyes. So I would love to have you all. I love that. And friends, we're going to link everything in the show notes. So there's literally no excuse for you to not go and check out our website, follow her on Instagram and sign up for a newsletter. There's no excuse when it's in the show (laughs) notes. It's easy click. Show our, show our guests some love. Okay. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for being here and taking the time today. I know you're in a different time zone than I am. So sometimes like, <laughs> and we had a time change. So that also throws things off too. Well, I had to make sure I scheduled it for after the time change because Mexico and the U S change a week apart. So all of last week, you and I were, I guess one hour closer the normal. I don't, I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't realize. Okay. This is my naivete. This is how stupid I am about the world. Sometimes I literally thought America was the only country that did time change. No America. Yeah. The U S and Canada changed last week, but I think everybody else who does daylight savings changed the week before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea. I got to get out of this town. I got to travel the world. Yeah. I can't, I can't well, with this city. 
And Mexico, they just got rid of daylight saving. So we just changed the clocks back for the last forever. time ever. It lets, uh, you're going to be in real time forever. And I envy you for that. <laughs> my friend and I, cause my friend and I were talking about this. It's like, cause they, the progression of changing daylight savings in the U S is like over the last 15 years, it's getting later and later and earlier and earlier. And that makes me cranky and a lot of people cranky. Some people are like, let's live in daylight savings all the time because the sun. And I'm like, yes and no, because the planet is getting hotter. So do we really want it to be 110 at 10 o'clock at night? Right. Um, with that said though, like there's a natural transition the planet goes through to get us a, slowly acclimated to the fact that it'll be dark by noon and by starting daylight save ending daylight savings in November, we go from it's dark and it gets dark at seven to dark at noon in a day. So we're all immediately <laughs> depressed because we have no more sun rather than the slow transition we're used to from childhood. Right. Just let it happen. Mother nature. She knows what she's doing. doing. She knows what she's doing. Leave her alone. She is angry. We got to do better. We got to take better care of her. Yes. Rant for another day. (laughs) But thank you for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad, you know, a lot of people are always like, I want to talk about a different world or I want to come on and talk about the Cosby show. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to talk about it with everybody because there are some things where I'm just like you and I don't get to have that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand that. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington, and I am fueled by the incredible support system of women who allow me to run ideas, cry, melt down whenever I feel overwhelmed. I also want to do a big shout out to our Patreon community. Thank you for your continued support. It brings me great joy to bring you quality content and monthly get-togethers. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time.